Let's talk the anti-Israel media, the collapse in Argentina, why it matters and it's gonna happen to your country. The Australia tax cuts to boost salaries and of course digital marketing with podcasting and the barbecues. This in today's episode of Hof Profit, so check it out on hofprofit.com slash podcast and don't forget to share, like, retweet and leave your comment and I would say an extremely warm welcome and I'm so happy you're here at the moment sitting in the living room looking at my vegetable garden and oh I'm so happy oh my goodness this is life is just perfect um so I'm happy and great and honored that you have your board it's so great to have so many like-minded people moving forward from profitable moments sharing insights sharing ideas or making money so um let me begin first of all let's begin with the anti-israel media I said so I think it's important to talk about this for an easier reason. A few days ago, it was last week, I got a video in and it was about a rocket attack on Israel which basically killed kids in the kindergarten. And that's terrible. And then there was not, of course, this was not covered by the Western media and most of the media didn't cover this. And one of, at least in the Dutch public broadcasting system, they have a really great show called uh, The Foreign Desk. And they talk quite some about Israel and they recently had a journalist on and basically the journalist is being kicked out of Israel. And I don't know why, I, I don't know the file so I will not judge about that things. But what you see in the media is people talk about how bad Israel is. Uh, what you saw when there was the national celebration when we had 70 years of Israel so that after basically forever being chased up and being forced into ghettos where we were all together and and don't forget, it was not only in the, during the Second World War, this is so since the beginning of time. And what you saw is, in the media there were talks about the riots and the fact that Palestinians were fleeing. Um, the, the local newspaper here had a big article that the Palestinian state was never so close. And I wrote a small piece about it, and it basically, when they answered that I got as well, it's all your fault and the Jews are guilty of everything. And well, that's so it's time to balance the perspective and it's time that we stand up together because let's face a fact there is a especially from Poland, Germany, the Netherlands, basically everywhere in Europe there is a really big big debt and no it can never be repaid if I say that the Dutch government have sent armed people after me then I speak the completely truth and the Dutch in the city of Eindhoven can never repay that debt they just went too far and there are things like a rocket on a kindergarten is just wrong and people ignore this fact. There was recently a documentary about a woman who was really working hard and she was a refugee and she had to leave Israel. Really sad that she had a son and the son went to school and you saw that and there were in the area was quite some quite some people saw it and there was some chat about the fact that those kids are being picked up, being escorted by the military to go to school. And no one used to realize that if you let the kids walking to school, the chance that they get killed is just too high. People, literally terrorists, want to kill the kids. I mean, this is insane. You sent rockets to kindergartens. And you saw it when Eurosong, when the victory was, when basically what everyone said from, well, see you in Jerusalem. The Dutch public broadcasters just said from, hey, guys, this is uh, a political statement. We should not go. We should go to Tel Aviv. And this debate is still going on in the media at the moment where they should go to. And this is really sad because because just to issue out one thing that people should 
never forget, since the, uh, the country became independent, the number of trees went up. And if you look at it, and the fact that it's just a bloody desert with no de natural resources, it's a pretty impressive thing. So, it's just time to balance the perspective a bit more, and it's time for us all to check it out and, well, I would just say, go there and ask these questions. Why are you only hearing one side of the story and not the other side of the story? WordPress offers you many great opportunities to build a great website, webshop and spread your matches. If it's your blog, your, your desire to become financially independent, WordPress is there for you to help you. WordPress has many hidden, hidden features no one knows. So visit hofprofit.com slash WordPress for the WordPress training menu. We are living in a tremendous time. Never it has become so easy to become the next millionaire. If it's become the next self-made millionaire by selling your home or your business or by Constantly and ongoingly do, moving towards the great glorious millionership. You can do it also. It just commits hard work, training, commitment and honesty. Visit hofprofit.com millionaire for the millionaire report and join the queue on the highway to success. European Union imposed completely global covering privacy laws. So it's the highest time for you to be transparent unless you want to pay a 20 million euro fine. And yes, the European Commission is on a wait hunt, so get ready. So check out GDRP compliance course on hofprofit.com GDRP. That's hofprofit.com GDRP. The situation in Argentine is pretty desperate. The central bank raised the interest rates at 40% inflate, and if you look over time, basically the country is bankrupt and People said, and there's a chat about they are going to the International Monetary Fund, an organization that, in my opinion, should not exist in the first place. We should just abolish it to, and let the country fix it out. And the question is one, first of all, should you check out Argentine for your money? And I would desperately say yes. Commodity prices are low, more and more people gonna eat, and farmland is extremely cheap. So that is one of the things for you to check out. And people are now, but what the Basically what caused all the problems in Einstein is just the obvious thing which always caused the collapse of societies and that's the government. It are the people who believe in free lunches, free rice, uh, basically grab the money from those who produce and give it to those who are too lazy to produce. And one of the great things to do this are the bloody unions. And the big problem for me with unions is that in almost every country in the world they are compulsory. It's a forced part. I mean, it's fine by me that you join, that you set up a union and set up a group and do like-minded things. That's great, but why are we are they forced? Are you? Is it compulsory to chat with them about the economics and the working conditions? Why can you not simply make that own choice if you want to do it or not? If you just look what's happening in Argentina, you see it in a lot of countries. So Argentina is just an example. You saw it in New Zealand. You see it, and basically everywhere in Latin America is just one economic mess. Basically. Literally, the only thing people who were doing economically sensible things are the people in Panama and was Pinochet. And yeah, Pinochet was a mass murderer and he did really bad things, but well, no one is perfect. And at least the economic policy was not that bad. Don't forget, Chile was just a few copper mines and he took it into a reasonable economy and people went richer than they are now in Argentine. And if you look at Brazil, Argentine, Basically everywhere in Latin America, what's happening, the government is giving away money for nothing. And there is not something like a free lunch. So they are printing the money which causes inflation and this is basically why their people are getting poor. If you look at Argentine, the national flag carrier, the airliner, is losing approximately a billion a year. Mm. At this moment most airlines are making money. 
at this moment they are made they are profitable so if you are not profitable at this moment then you should not be in business at, at, the, at the first place so what you need to ask yourself this why are people financing a money losing airliner with over a billion when they can when you could use that money for example to reduce government spending i mean and before you say well why are you so against government spending have a look at what happened in new zealand new zealand is basically was a country if you had the money to get uh, your ticket out you went out and a lot of people did it and what basically what the government did was reducing regulation uh, selling of uh, com uh, state-owned companies why should an air should a government own an airliner in the first place a big question and i had this debate with some people uh, prior to the parliamentary elections in the netherlands that we had a few years ago and i simply supposed to sell all government-owned companies by a quarter just bring them to the stock market and just say well go reform become profitable the go for certain strategic things you are still in control but why should we own a railroad company why should we have shares in an airliner i mean i would just say bring a quarter to the exchange raise the money to pay off the government debt and force those companies and institutions to become a more efficient organization i mean one of the great trends is what you see in transportation when you say we're going to privatize it or we're going to give everyone a chance to run this public transport system then the companies only under the threat they are going to improve so to just say the free the, the people come with the id to make money and the state-owned company goes working better well i would simply say just sell off the companies and let them go bust but well that's maybe a step too far but at least it's a great step and the big problem for just everywhere in Latin America, in my opinion, is that all the governments are printing the money. They have no serious solutions for the problems like unemployment, HIV, and all those things. And the countries are just trying to become a strong government, which is always bad. Strong governments are bad, and it's a great indication for corruption. And that brings me to the situation in Australia, where... People are now saying, from, well, the Trump tax reform, did it work? And is it working? Well, let's face the fact, it is working. You see that in Australia, they, they are now passing laws to lower corporate tax. Reason? We want higher salaries. We want more salaries. We want people to have more money in their pocket, not less. So we are going to reduce taxation. Well, did in combination with the fact that in New Zealand at the moment, they have a really bad government. But New Zealand has one great benefit, they have a free trade deal with China and they are the only western-minded country who has such a deal. And I talked quite and one of the reasons I talk quite a bit about New Zealand is that they are the secret Chinese victory on geopolitical skill no one talks about. No one is chatting about the fact that New Zealand basically went from the western mindset to the mindset of China. Well, New Zealand, then you have the islands of Vanuatu where they are going. Slowly on, they are taking on the world. And the interesting part is that New Zealand is part of quite some military talks with Australia, New with the United States and Canada for security in that area. Which makes sense, just look at the map where they are. And they are now just basically a military risk because they are closing up ties with China. European Union imposed completely global covering privacy laws, so it's the highest time for you to be transparent, unless you want to pay a 20 million euro fine. And yes, the European Commission is on a witch hunt, so get ready. So check out GDRP compliance course on hofprofit.com slash GDRP. That's hofprofit.com slash GDRP. It's 
time to have a quick look at today's interview. It's, I will interview Sean. Sean is from the Behind the Smoke podcast. And he owns a barbecue sports bar restaurant thing in San Diego. And what you need to know about um, first restaurants. If you have a restaurant and you're reaching a one year milestone. You are doing great already. And he has his restaurant for over a decade now. And barbecue has a Also, we all love it. There is one thing if you want to run a restaurant with it. It is extremely tough, low margin work. And the reason you have low margin is you cannot make something quick and easy. Pulled pork takes over six hours on the barbecue. Ribs takes over five hours. So you need to work five, six hours in advance so that you can sell it. And if you can't sell it, you can throw it away. And if you do that at basically the San Diego weather, which is also... Well, making me more think about sun, sea, surfing and fish than anything else. Then you're doing something extremely well. So I would simply say that we can learn a lot from it. So I would say, Sean, welcome to the show. How's life in San Diego? Sounds great. Sounds great. I'm just looking outside and it's... It should be summer weather, but it's stormy, rainy, terrible weather here in the Netherlands. It's terrible. Terrible terrible weather where well, we have uh, I think we're about 80 degrees sunshine no clouds looks like a beach day that sounds to me like where does my resume go <laughs> <laughs> after this we have to walk for 15 minutes in the weather so not looking forward to it <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah okay thanks for the interview um, basically contacted you about because I love barbecuing I love doing the barbecues myself and all the cooking stuff which sometimes is challenging as your party side like me and your podcast is different it's digital marketing and you talk about the tough things a butcher most butchers here go bankrupt restaurants go bankrupt all the time and if you want to start a restaurant a barbecue restaurant is even the worst to start from a purely financial perspective so that was basically it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. for for anybody that wants to start a business um starting a business in california has its own challenges out of all the states in the united states we have a lot of regulations that we deal with um but we love what we're doing and you know part of the reason we started the podcast was uh you know i'm a barbecue restaurant owner we've been in business for 10 years and my co-host derek marceau um he's a third generation butcher they've been uh, here they're about a mile away from our restaurant and we we like to look at things like villages. My grandfather's from uh, Bulgaria. My wife um, also came from Bulgaria. So even though we're out in San Diego County, um, there's about three and a half million people in San Diego County. We, we like to look at things as, uh, as little, little villages and the, the companies and the businesses that start to understand that people are people and they want to be part of the story and they, um, hospitality is something that When you feel welcome at, at a place, then you want to go back. And uh, I think a lot of the businesses that are successful in this day and age and the digital age are the ones that connect with people. And they connect on a deeper level outside of just the product and the service that they're selling. Is it also the reason that you have a restaurant and a butcher shop and then a barbecue restaurant in San Diego? You just said 80 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you're gonna put uh, the ribs on and make the pulled pork in the early morning. <laughs> Ab absolutely. Yeah. We just uh, we actually just pulled off the uh, pork butts and the briskets that we're cooking overnight. So 
Um, the pork butts cooked for about 14 hours. The briskets, they were cooking for 12 hours, and they just came off the pit, and we're going to get them ready for lunch service uh, coming up here at 11 o'clock. So you're going to sell barbecue stuff as lunch. That's something that will be really rare here in the Netherlands. We also sell bar we sell barbecue <laughs> stuff as breakfast. <laughs> I just think that I know I just decided where my holiday goes. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't discriminate with our meats. We think that you can eat meat all, all twenty four hours out of the day. Definitely, definitely. So you're from Bulgaria, so you left uh, Europe. Why did you go to San Diego? Well actually my grandfather's from Bulgaria. My oh, wife sorry. also is from Bulgaria. I was I was born in the United States. Uh, I was born in Colorado, but I moved to San Diego when I was six months old. So um, I'm pretty much not born in San Diego, but all my waking years have been uh, living here in San Diego. So yeah, it, you wouldn't expect someone from San Diego to be podcasting about barbecue or running a barbecue restaurant. Um, but that's just kind of the way that our 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 path has gone, um, and I would have it no other way. So, so you're from, so your parents are from Bulgaria, and they yeah, my grand, my, yeah. my yeah, grandfather is from Bulgaria. Sorry, yeah, uh, my fault. Yeah, already no, six, no, no problem. Already six over six in the evening here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're already, you're already well into happy hour over there. Uh, no, I still need to grab myself a breakfast. To be honest. Ah, there you go. <laughs> So, not really handy to have fun. No, um, that's right. So, why did you start a podcast? Uh, we started a podcast. Well, we love, I, I mean, the restaurant's located in a part of San Diego that most isn't highly trafficked. So, um, for us, in order to stay in business, we had to do everything and anything possible. Uh, we opened in 2008, and that was kind of back when Facebook was new and mm. you know there actually was yellow pages which uh was a physical book listing where businesses would advertise that they're in business um and for us it was just important to start doing anything and anything possible to get people to come into our restaurant and whether that was having hosting an event and advertising it on Facebook or on Twitter or on Yelp um or on Google we just had to figure out different ways to get people to come in and uh, just recently started doing some research on podcasting. And, uh, a lot of the things that Derek and myself have been doing is promoting the sport of barbecue and getting amateur people that love to cook um, involved in competitions, whether it's an amateur competition or a professional competition, and getting them to come out um, to learn how to compete, learn how to cook different foods uh, some of those people, they've gone on to open up their own catering businesses now, and we've had them on the podcast. And it's just been a really cool thing to connect with people all over the world, um, yourself included. We also have you know, a friend named Olav in, uh, in Norway. He started his own barbecue podcast, uh, Meat and Metal, uh, N-O. And you know, just to really see what's happening um, all over the world has been really cool for us. We've we've made friends that own butcher shops in Israel and people that own barbecue restaurants in Australia, and they reach out and they are looking for ways to improve their business or scale their business. And if there's any way that we can help, uh, we're excited to do that. 
It's one of the things that I always consider amazing. It's partly what you in your podcast pretty often say that the barbecue guys, if you would drop over to the other side of the world, you can just borrow the stuff and they're going to fix it and they're going to help you out. But Absolutely. It's, yeah, But it's also the same with the internet guys. It's just we're all in the same game. I mean, if I would say to you GDRP, you all know the terrible thing it is. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Internet guys, podcast guys. I mean, we... It's it's weird when I mean we say in our podcast that we we digitally touch people and whether that's you know hitting a sending a DM through your Twitter account or through your Instagram account and you know reaching out to somebody it's it creates those oh shit internet moments where you realize that there's somebody on the other end <laughs> and they yeah. they actually res- respond to you and they you know you start a conversation and maybe you get a piece of information that can help you with your business or with your, you know, your dream to start a podcast or whatever it might be. Um, sometimes those are just the things that you're looking for. And, and once, you know, audio is something that's, it's so intimate, you know, when you hear something and you listen to somebody, I mean, you feel like you're part of, you know, you're part of the planning you're part of the, you're part of the process and you, you know, you get access to a conversation that, um, even though passively you're not, you know, engaged in the in the process, the digital tools like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, they allow you to reach out and interact with hosts of shows or people that you know have written books or people that are in media. And if they're on top of their game, they'll engage and then they'll build a, a fan base. And no matter where they go, they can um, you know have different opportunities that wouldn't be there otherwise. And we just had a blog about it and also got it from another podcast was that they was really on a marketing perspective that they said from podcast you have compared to traditional radio you have quite lower ratings and just lower people tuning in but it's so intense people have earplugs in their ears or a headset on so 100%. You're, you're in you're not a background yeah no it's 100% and the most fascinating thing is to see people in radio and traditional uh television and traditional media are starting to understand that the engagement that you get on podcast is so much deeper than any of the statistics or Arbitron ratings that they give you for radio. Even though the distribution's so high, people aren't engaged the way that they are with podcasts because they get interrupted. It's you know, it's a broken model. The way that they drive revenue is based off of statistics and you know, I know just from my own personal habits when I'm driving in the car, I used to listen to sports radio all the time and I prefer to listen to them on a podcast so I don't have to listen to the commercials. Yeah, and that's one of the great things. At least I was just uh, for this uh, for the past month checking my own podcast ratings. And you see listeners from everywhere. I'm in Eindhoven at the moment. And my biggest markets are the United States and Indonesia. Yep. It <laughs> just <laughs> makes it really tough to compete in radio. So... Why did you went to if you go back from the podcast to your restaurant? Why did you get your restaurant in a place where there's not so much traffic that you have to get the people in? Was it just for the cost for the building, <laughs> or was another reason? I no, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. Most people they told me I was crazy to open up a restaurant in 2008 at the economic downturn that we were experiencing, and especially in the type in the area of San Diego that we were at. But when you're an entrepreneur, you don't you don't listen to the naysayers. You just do it. You go, you go with whatever's in your heart. And, you know, when we opened the restaurant, it wasn't going to be a, it wasn't going to be a barbecue restaurant. It was going to be a sports entertainment restaurant. We're going to utilize, you know, our, our liquor license and create a a village bar where people felt comfortable coming and watching the, 
football game or soccer game or baseball game. And um, they also felt comfortable bringing their families. Uh, but in order to have a successful bar, you also have to have a successful restaurant. And, you know, that's a lot of the a lot of the push for sports bars. They never focused on food, which is why they're not succeeding these days. Um, there's been a big drop off in how many people go to sports bars. They're turning more into sports restaurants where you actually have to care about the food. You have to care about the customer. You have to care about the village. Um, those are the things that have helped us stay successful. But to answer your question, no, there was no, there was no, it was, it was just an opportunity that we had and, um, we, we jumped on the opportunity and despite all the times where we thought we were going to fail faced with lawsuits, faced with, um, not being able to make payroll, not being able to pay certain bills, certain equipment failing, um, you know, we just, we did what any entrepreneur does and that's, you, you find a way to make it happen. You just make the next step. You just keep yep. on going. Yep. That's how easy it is. At least in my opinion. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about how easy it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a torture, but it's a fun torture. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> it's fun yeah, torture. You, like, yeah, like I said, you have to be a glutton for punishment to yeah. do what we do. But if you do, then you'd never work a day in your life. I mean, we... We're so grateful for all the opportunities that we have to, you know, have conversations with people on the other side of the world and talk about things that make us excited, that get us out of bed, that drive us every single day. And, um, you know, those those relationships, they, they wouldn't happen if we weren't always pushing the envelope. Oh, yeah, definitely. I always say when I feel that I am working, then I'm leaving. It's just I'm gone. Yeah. Just not going to work. So... Wait, let's get back to the restaurant. You got the sports liquor thing, basically, sports bar. You added a restaurant at it. You started immediately with a barbecue restaurant. Yep. That's a tough choice. Why not do something more financially, more sensible? Uh, a lot of the things that we've done are counterintuitive to what the industry standards are. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, opening a restaurant, doing a barbecue restaurant, our food costs are extremely high. Um, we're operating on very small margins, but we do that with the premise of doing things the right way and doing things the way that other people don't want to do it. We understand that what we're trying to do and what we're trying to create, we're not going to become rich fast. That's not part of the game plan. Um, monetary gains aren't something that we strive for. It's building something bigger than ourselves and building a community around barbecue, a community around our restaurant here in Spring Valley, you know, this is our village. This is something that we take pride in. Um, once we get opportunities to go on the radio or go on TV, you know, we, we really take it to heart that the people in our village that are watching us, they take pride in knowing that some good news is coming out of, you know, Spring Valley. Some good news is coming out and it's not something, it's something where it's like, that's my restaurant. You know, they're, they're not owners in the restaurant, but we, we, we treat them that way. And um, that's something that's been able to help us, you know, in the last 10 years, keep keep the doors open and uh, keep people as excited as they are about our brand. It's, it's exciting and really impressive that your restaurant is open for over a decade now because most companies fail within the first year already. Yes. And, and the restaurant, well, they, I don't know statistics exactly, but I doubt that most restaurants will make the six-month uh, six uh, line. You go for a decade with... As we were discussing just before we started the chat and the interview, you were literally just out of bed and you got the meat for the breakfast out. You got the food out of us full night out. 
it's extremely time intensive and it's just your restaurant is cooking 24-7 so it's just in an area with 80 degrees Fahrenheit it's just insane <laughs> well we we know so that people like uh, yeah people all over people all over the globe they have they they love they love fire i mean you know even yeah. when you say when you say barbecue people think of american barbecue and you know the traditional low and slow cooking methods but if you think bigger than that i mean for, as humans we've been cooking with fire since the start of time i mean my my family in bulgaria i'm going to be going there this summer and we're going to all go out and we're going to cook barbecue you know we have uh, kifteta and kebabche and that's you know those are meats that are going to get grilled and seasoned and cooked over an open flame and you know they're not going to get slow smoked for 14 hours but um at the same time people love they they love to cook with fire and for and for us being here in san diego we're seeing something really cool happening where people from different parts of the country are coming here and they're opening up restaurants um, barbecue specific restaurants that practice the low and slow craft where they're cooking over long periods of time, cooking with quality meats. You know, when people started, barbecue started because butcher shops, they wanted to find a way to utilize the worst cuts of meat in the butcher shop. So they cooked it over a long period of time to make it tender. Now that has changed dramatically because of competitions and because of different restaurants are using the best quality meats and they're putting out product that exactly what you said, we're, mm -hmm. we're we have labor here pretty much not 24 hours a day, but, um, you know, a good 18 to 20 hours out of the day uh, just to make sure that we're cooking the best best meat every single day, every single shift. And it's amazing. And to give our listeners some idea, uh, I get most of my meat from the place where they kill the animals. It's just a price incentive. But, for example, mm -hmm. the pork ribs, the spare ribs, if you, you buy them there for a meter, for one euro. <laughs> yeah. It's just... If you see all the middlemen, and then what you see, it's amazing what you see is happening now because it's fresh. I mean, how bad, how how fresh can you get your meat? And only fresh always kill it yourself, literally. And we all love the fire and the smell of it and the joy. So, why did you start your butcher shop next to a restaurant? Was it just I want to get the turnover that I bring into my suppliers to my own company, or what was the reason? Well, so the butcher shops, I don't own the butcher shop. That's owned by Derek Marceau, my co-host. And he, uh, he, oh, no, no problem. He was, he was, he's been in the business, obviously, since he was, he, he was born into the business. He was a third generation butcher. Uh, but he never thought, kind of like, I didn't think I would be in the restaurant business. He wasn't planning on being in the butcher shop business. Um, he was a professional athlete. He played in the NFL and, um, he thought that that was something that he was going to do. And, you know, it, it's funny how life worked out. Um, you find your passion for things where you might not have expected it. And, you know, for me, I grew up in the restaurant. I hated coming here when I was 12 years old to wash dishes and to bust tables. But um, it was the best thing that my grandfather made me do uh, because he taught me how to work. And Derek, the butcher shot pretty much the same way. He, you know, once he realized that, you know, he wasn't looking for financial get get rich quick schemes he was more focused on how do i build this butcher shop into something that i'm proud of that my family's proud of that the that the village is proud of um he was able to take something that you know his grandfather created and his other um took to the next level and he he really brought it into what we're 
what we're doing now in 2018 is, you know, putting out different kinds of products that you, you can't find at a local grocery shop. You can't find at a butcher shop. Uh, people don't have that kind of quality products in, even here in San Diego, you know, you'd have to go, there's, there's very few, um, less than a handful of stores that are anywhere close to what Derek and uh, Valley Farms have been able to do. So it's, I was just thinking, because it's just a very rare combination. I know a contact of me who was doing something like and they just decided to stop because it was too labor-intensive and too much work and not efficient enough. That was why I was wondering about it, because it's, it's weird. To be honest with you, those, I mean, the, our competitive advantage is how much work and time and effort and cost it takes. Because yeah. in order to in order to do it right way, you can't cut corners. And and for me, somebody that loves technology, that loves digital, that loves efficiency, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we're always trying to find ways to implement that into our restaurant systems as well as the butcher shop. But at the end of the day, the only way to do it right is to do it the right way. And to do it the right way is taking the time, the effort, and putting in the hard work. Um, which is the same thing for putting on our barbecue events. You know, there's no easy way to organize 70 professional barbecue teams, 20 local restaurants to come out um, and compete at the horse races in the middle of the summer and to get them all loaded in, to get them ready to serve to 3,000 guests that are coming out as well as the 20,000 people that are at the track. There's no easy way to do that. Some people, they have an event company that that's all they do is that year they plan for that one event. Not only do we put on one that event, we also do an amateur event where we shut down the main street in front of our restaurant. Um, and we have 30 amateur barbecue teams come out to compete in that. So to say that we are always pushing the envelope is... Uh, it's pretty accurate. I mean, we're yeah. always trying to find find ways to to do different things. But there, like I said, there's no there's no shortcut. <laughs> as as much as as much as we'd love to cut that process in half, I mean, that's part of that's where the reward is, and that's where um, that's where the magic happens, is by really putting in that that work and building those relationships. Because the people that participate in the events, then they they understand that we're not doing the event to make money. We're doing the event for a bigger picture, and that's to really build a movement and to build a culture of of uh, of community you know community around fire community around barbecue community around podcasting um you know we have some barbecue podcasts that we've started to interact with all over all over the world and we're expecting them to come out to kansas city next year for the national barbecue association we just had three barbecue podcasts that came out um including us we went to texas to fort worth we all were, we were all there covering the event, and now there's probably you know six verbal commitments that said that they're going to make it next year, and hopefully every year that that number grows. Oh well, definitely it's going to grow. I mean, you see on the global scale, barbecue is more and more popular, and making your own food and taking time for it, especially in the emerging markets where people are getting the having the time to not work all the time and can do it themselves. Yep. So it's amazing. So if you look at it, if you start when you start your company, let's take a quick step back to there. What's, in your opinion, the number one tip for anyone who starts a company? Uh, the number one tip would be to to do your homework. Um, you know, there's the, <laughs> the best part about the digital age is that there's so much information and there's so many different resources 
that are free resources that people you don't have to pay to get a consultant to come in. Yes, you want to have people that are experts in your field in your local market. So paying the money or raising enough capital so that you can't afford an attorney to draw up the correct documents to have a broker that understands a lease. Um, there's so many different things that we had to learn the hard way, which is one of the reasons we started the podcast was, you know, we failed many times and, you know, through failure, you learn things and you, you also be. are able to talk to other business owners that had similar experiences or different experiences. And yeah, my, my number one piece of advice would be to make sure to, you know, to do your homework, um, and to use, Use, use the internet. Don't, you know, don't be scared to Google something. Don't be scared to reach out, listen to podcasts about whatever you're passionate about and reach out to the host, reach out to owners. And you'd be surprised at what kind of information you can get that might save you thousands, if not tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in your, um, while you're building your business. Uh, to give you an uh, anecdote, when I started out my own company just over 10 years ago, as party sided guy, the, which the government said, you're unable to work. So here's money and basically I started out I got all the the first six customers I just got from people who helped me writing the plan <laughs> it was just oh yeah yep. we can help you with a small customer here you can send them 200 bucks bill um, every month for the coming three months well 1200 yep. bucks in the f well it's nice to begin with <laughs> absolutely really, yeah. Yeah. so uh, you're in yeah. you're in Luxembourg uh, no I'm in Eindhoven the Netherlands okay uh, gotcha yeah which is basically between Amsterdam Brussels and Dusseldorf, according to Google Maps. <laughs> according to Google Maps, nice. Yeah, well, I never uh, measured it myself, so I don't know. <laughs> there you go. But they say, and it's fine with me. There are trains going, so I can get the airplane and go everywhere. So let's take it to Behind the Smoke. It's the name of your podcast. Why Behind Correct. the Smoke? Well, so... There's already barbecue podcasts. Yeah. Um, there's people that do a great job every week talking about the technical aspects of cooking different cuts of meat and the different grills that you use and the seasonings. And for Derek and myself, we wanted to do a podcast that we would get excited about every week. Um, the things that drive us are our business and digital marketing and really not just barbecue specific, but also talking to other entrepreneurs, other leaders, other people that are in sports radio that are in sports entertainment that are, um, you know, they might be digital leaders in their field. Um, they might own, you know, power digital marketing, Grayson LaFriends. Uh, we had him on to talk about, you know, really what's happening with internet marketing for uh, small businesses and why it's something that needs to be top of mind for everybody. Uh, it's been just an incredible journey for us and behind the smoke allowed us to really go behind the scenes and talk about the all the shit that they don't tell you in business school, um, all the stuff they don't talk about on TV or talk about on radio. Uh, you know, we start every every single episode with a voicemail that I got from a former business partner before we opened up Cali Comfort. Um, it was a partner that we had and we thought that my one of my best friends from college, him and I, we naively went into a relationship with a partner that we thought we knew who he was and it turned out that he didn't want us to add add the sports entertainment aspect to the restaurant and he wanted to have all the control and he didn't want to let us you know try to grow the business at, in, at, in, in any way and 
Um, he left me that voicemail and that voicemail is really what happens in entrepreneurship. As much as we love the sexy Instagram photos, which is kind of our tagline of our podcast. Yeah, it's great to see Cali Comfort, you know, on the local news or at the radio or at the, you know, big sporting event. But ultimately, there's a lot of shit that happens along the way that people don't talk about. Um, but that's where you grow. That's we do. You, you grow. Yeah, you grow. <laughs> you grow when you when you hear about um, the lawsuits and the ways to prevent lawsuits and the ways to, you know, save yourself. Um, like I said, tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if it's if it's one tip that we get from one host, uh, from one of our guests that helps somebody on the other side of the world, then we feel like we're doing our job. Oh, definitely. You always share everything with everyone. It's always it's interesting that now I'm hosting quite often some barbecue parties, some friends drop by, and we talk about everything. And basically, we talk about all our mistakes. That's all. Yeah. It's really. And everyone always says, no, you should not discuss it. And I always have something. What not? Why should we not discuss it? This is what I we think, learn. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the most powerful thing is we've. We've found that the more uncomfortable we are in the topics that we're discussing, the more engagement and the the better the podcast is. I mean, really, when you dig into stuff that people don't want to talk about, it's when you you start listening. You start listening even more, and you want to know more, and you want to find out, well, how the fuck did that happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make sense because no one's ever talked about it, but this is the real this is the real stuff that happens when you know when you can't when you when you can't pay your bills and this is what you have to do to go you know raise capital and find a way to you know transfer money into your bank account to make sure that you know your the the thing the event that you've been advertising and you have 400 people coming out to watch a boxing a boxing fight and for some reason the the licensee the people that are supposed to be giving you the the event, they say that you, you you can't have it. Now you have to go in front of all those people and tell them why you can't have it. Um, yeah, that's where the shit hits the fan, and that, that that's where you know the real the real good stuff happens. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's, it's really terrible to see that people don't want to share those insights. At least in my opinion. So I think that I think that's part of human nature. We like talking about what's successful, and we we tend to share less of what our weaknesses and vulnerabilities are. Uh, it could be pretty much right. Must admit that uh, human interaction is not my specialty, so <laughs> not not my key thing. So <laughs> stay out of the things that you don't know and not are not great at. I always yeah. Say. Yeah. So on this side, you as a final segment, you started in California, which is heavily regulated. Correct. Why is it not better? Was it not smarter to move to a less regulated area? Because uh, we love California and we love San Diego, okay, and it's pretty much that easy. So, if we, Next part stuff. of the part part of the theme in in my life as mm -hmm. well as my grandfather's life. I mean, my grandfather was born in a village in Bulgaria in 1919. Was born to be a farm boy, and everything that he did was finding ways to learn how to read and how to get access to more information, which allowed him to become a medical doctor. He didn't get into medical school in Bulgaria. He had to go to medical school in Germany. He had to learn German just to study medicine. So not only was he studying medicine, he was studying German so that he could learn the medicine. 
Um, he was doing that during World War II, during the not during the Nazi um, occupation, and for him, nothing was easy, you know. And he taught me. I, I watched him. I worked for him growing up. He was my father. Um, I never met my father, so my grandfather really was my father figure. And I watched him after he was a medical doctor start developing real estate, um, residential, commercial real estate. I watched people tell him he couldn't do something and. You know, part of his Bulgarian blood was, you tell me I can't do it and I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, for us, we absolutely love, we love where we live. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing easy about operating a business in San Diego, in California. Um, the amount of our minimum wage that we have to pay. Um, we have 80 people that work for us. Um, they're incredible staff and we're always hiring because uh, we can't run this place by ourselves. Um, it's very important for us to provide opportunity for the people that work for us, and um, that's what that's what gets us that's what's get that gets us excited every single day. Um, having those opportunities, creating those positions for people to grow and to do something different that other restaurants aren't doing. I mean, most most uh, founders of restaurants, CEOs, they're not having conversations with friends across across the globe on a podcast <laughs> no that's, that's that's not their priority on a friday morning so um, most, but for uh, for us for us it is or, mo- or, or say to my side uh, the time zone most people are not on friday evening uh, chatting with a guy with a barbecue restaurant on the other side of the world correct instead of bar correct. <laughs> still correct. this is more fun definitely absolutely <laughs> absolutely and if and if you ever do make it to California, you know uh, that you're going to be making it to San Diego, and you uh, you'll you'll have an incredible time. Oh, well, let's say it like this: I'm at the moment expanding my company uh, rapidly, and I'm going to do some physical projects in the United States. And I wrote a business plan just around New York because it's the biggest city. And mm-hmm. I said, I need a second market. Well, someone said Memphis, and basically because what you said, I decided to well at least make a plan for San Diego. There you go. Make the plan. And then make uh, the plan. Make the plan. And then just use those backup from New York or, well, basically in January, February, New York is not really cool. Well, it is cool. Too cold, in my opinion. Just hop over to, I mean, how many hours flying is it from New York to San Diego? Uh, about five. Uh, ah, yeah. well, just half a day in the aircraft from Europe. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad. Just close the eyes. Oh, so that would be great. I mean, count me in. I'm going to draw by at one of your things, just for the fun. There you go. The guy with the blind stick and the cap, that's me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Is there where can we find your barbecue where can we find more about your podcast? Because that's definitely uh, podcast. How, how it can yeah, add value uh, and your size. What where can we find you? Everything. Behind the smoke dot com. That's our website for the podcast. Um, or you mm-hmm. can just search behind the smoke on any podcast platform. iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher. Any of those, uh, we publish every single week. We come out with a new podcast. We're on Twitter also. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Barbecue War Stories, at BBQ War Stories. Um, you can also interact with me, and that's Sean, S H A W N P, Walchef, W A L C H E F. Um, we love talking to people all over the globe about barbecue about business about digital marketing we highly encourage people to be on twitter to be on instagram to build their brand um nothing's more exciting that's the best time to be in business no matter if you're a one one man show or one woman show or if you have a small company small business 
there's no better time to uh, build your digital footprint. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, it, like I said earlier on the show, my biggest podcast markets are the US and Indonesia. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for the World Wide Web. Okay. Um, then I would. Is there any last thing you want to say? Uh, no, just uh, back to it, it's. It just it's critical that people understand that if you're listening to this podcast, that you as a person, even if you work for another company, that you establish your Twitter profile, your Facebook profile, your Instagram profile. Um, those things are going to allow you to leverage whether it's you want to start your own company or you want to build on top of that. Um, you got to learn how to use those platforms and you got to learn, learn how to interact that that cell phone that we have. It's the most powerful tool that any business owner has and making sure that the software is up to date and that you have the latest version. Um, I mean, we're making 4k videos we're going live. We're using Periscope. We're using all the tools that we can so that people understand what's happening in barbecue, not just at our restaurant and butcher shop, but what's happening in California and San Diego. And, um, it's just an incredible tool. People got to use it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm now sitting with a headset on. We never saw each other. Yep. And literally from the other side of the world, we are chatting. Correct. Yeah. So then I would say thank you for the interview. All right, my friend. We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch, my friend. Cheers. Have a lovely right. weekend. Cheers, you Cheers. too. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. So what did you say about that one? That is an eye-opening. How to get things working. I mean, it's amazing what he is accomplishing. You... And I strongly suggest you check him out. He's an extremely interesting person. And what I said about San Diego is true. It's now my the second place for the US things I want to do. Um, with that, I'm going to salute you and say cheers. Uh, make it a profitable day. I will. I look forward to hearing back from you. And I will talk to you tomorrow. And don't forget to have a quick look at hofprofit.com.